Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tyres. And a very warm welcome. It's the Offside Rule We Get It, brought to you by Continental Tyres, Season 3, Episode 28. And the all stellar lineup, the original lineup, is back in the house. Well, in Haley's house, actually. Uh, Kate Borsay here on the mic, and I'm joined by Lindsay Hooper. Hello, I want to go ding, 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 because we've got a bit of a boxing theme coming up later. Ding, 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 we're around Hayley McQueen's. And fresh from Thailand. In fact, we've relegated her to the other side of the room, so I'll have to reach my very long arm over because she's too tan, basically, folks. We're not sitting anywhere near her. Hayley McQueen, hello. It's a wasty car. (laughs) Now you've lost me, what? Just Thai for just generally. Hi there. Hi. (laughs) How was your magical trip? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. I feel thoroughly chilled out. Very weird to be away though during the football season. I did it for the first time last February and um, I loved it so much. I've done it again, but it's very weird to be completely out of the loop because having worked in football for, I don't know, 12, 15 years, however long it's been. Of course, I started when I was very young. I've never taken time off apart from in the summer. So it feels... It feels strange, but the break was much needed. Mm. And in actual fact, I got plenty of football updates. Sometimes the the, the updates I didn't really want from taxi drivers telling me that Middlesbrough had lost and that Manchester United were rubbish and that they were all now Chelsea fans. There you go. (laughs) So fickle, the people in Thailand, aren't they, eh? Uh, Well, it's lovely to have you back and on the lineup. Let's have a look at what's coming up on today's show. Well, as Lindsay mentioned, we've got a bit of a knockout, a bit of a fisticuffs theme coming up at the end of the show. This is on the back of Rooney's knockout video with Phil Bardsley. So we're going to be uh, looking at which other footballers have exchanged blows or perhaps who we'd like to see pair up in the ring. Twitter's Topic of the Week is back with our Sean Thorne. Better late than never is our middle topic on today's show. This is Seb Larson coming back late from half-time in uh, Sunderland's game. And, um, I mean, apparently Seb was getting stitches, but um, but even Gus Poyer looked a bit confused as to why he was late, um, as did Tim Sherwood. He, he was almost... Are you not meant to be on the... Pit? He looked completely bemused on, on the touchline as well. So we're going to be talking about other instances of players being late and why. But we're going to kick things off with failure to impress. We've got, uh, for most teams, nine games to go until the end of the Premier League season and really we should have seen something from either the well definitely from the um, August signings summer signings but uh, we should have seen something from the January signings as well and they could yet come into their own couldn't they in this final run in towards the end of the season but quite a few have failed to impress and when you look at the amount of money being exchanged uh, between clubs uh, to bring these stars into the Premier League you have to question the value of some of these players so with the race for the top four hotting up um, new imports ladies I'd like to know from you a player or two who's arrived in the Premier League this season and has failed to impress uh, because she's just put a Haribo jelly bean in her mouth I'm going to go straight <laughs> to hate well it is tradition we always to go straight Hayley. to Hayley McQueen uh, so Hayley give us your failures to impress my sweetie was red and I'm going to start with the team who play in red and unfortunately lots of players 
struggling for form in their debut season and have been flops. But who could it be at Manchester United? Could it be Falcao? Could it be Herrera? No. Not only they have received criticism, but lots of criticism on Angel Di Maria. This was a player who signed for United with a real buzz around him. He was brilliant. Man of the match in the Champions League final, which Real Madrid won and then sold him to Manchester United. Had a wonderful World Cup as well. He has had a good couple of games with Manchester United of late on the right, but in that playmaker role, he's just not cutting it. He's not being played where he should be. And um, Louis van Gaal just can't seem to make him play football properly. properly. Just like me not being able to speak properly. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you, actually, did you see these, these stories that emerged from Real Madrid that the reason they wanted to get rid of him was that he wasn't pretty enough? Did you, did you see that? That's terrible, yeah, because you have Ronaldo and Bale and Benzema and all the the good-looking boys, Casillas. I mean, that is bad, isn't it, really? Yeah, selling shirts ability, isn't it? But the thing that I wanted to say about Di Maria was he obviously got off to a flying start, but I think you identified there that the problem might be a Van Gaal one, hadn't it, rather than not, because he needs to be given that freedom to play. The big question mark has always been, where do you put? How do you solve a problem like Di Maria? Yeah, it is a real shame because obviously Di Maria has been playing in that central midfield role, um, kind of limiting what we could expect from him, what we were hoping for, that real attacking flair, and it just hasn't worked. No real assists, no real goals, but even more rubbish than Di Maria is a man who I thought might actually do not too badly in potentially his last ever season of playing football. Desperate to go out on a high, but no, he's crocked. Rio Ferdinand. What has happened to Rio Ferdinand? He's just disappeared. He didn't cost a penny, of course, uh, in fees. Took a a big salary cut to try and um, prolong his career, I guess you could say. He was out of the door at Manchester United. We all thought he would end his career there, but knew maybe he just wanted a bit of a, a year down in London to enjoy the nightlife while still in his youth, but in fact his twilight years of playing football and uh, had a bit of a dodgy start. Yes, he's suffered suspensions as well. He's had disciplinary issues and he should know better going in there as uh, somebody that the other players can kind of feed from being this big, strong, dominant character um, and should be looking really kind of assured and the real kind of linchpin of your defence. But actually, he, he's, he's been none of those. I'm really surprised that he hasn't been inspired by John Terry. The fact that John Terry is definitely, according to Mourinho, going to be offered another contract next year off the back of some brilliant performances. Why would that not inspire Rio Ferdinand to make sure that he keeps his career going and getting longevity as well? For me, they're just two different players. They, they are completely different in the way and, and in their style. And, you know, you've, we've always had this in and around the England back four argument. But... I think he's lost his pace, hasn't he, clearly? And he's lost his superiority. He's basically lost it. It it does feel, this is awful of us to say, but it it feels like he's lost everything. He's just floundering around, not really assured of his place. His fitness isn't good enough. As you mentioned, his discipline isn't good enough either. Um, So Rio Ferdinand and Angel Di Maria have been uh, resigned to the uh, player bin by Hayley McQueen. Lindsay. All inspired by Haley's red sweet. Um, the red continues. The red mist falls once again. But I'm not going to Manchester United. Um, I'm going to go to Liverpool uh, next. And I'm going to go to the sixth most expensive Premier League defender ever. Also, the fifth most expensive signing of all time for Liverpool. Dejan Lovren from Southampton. 
I predicted that he was going to be a flop. Do you remember? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah. Uh, I do remember you said that. And, and in fact, I would say that a lot of the Southampton players that moved on, Luke Shaw, Adam Lalana, none of them have quite filled the bill and the shoes that they were meant to from the, the, the clubs that they ended up going to. Um, what I would say about Lovren in, in particular, he's starting to find a little bit of his stride um, in Liverpool's recent good run. You know, they've gone so many games unbeaten, the only remaining Premier League side unbeaten in 2015. Um, and he has been in, in recent games part of that starting lineup. But the thing that I'd say is he just looks like a man that's lost sometimes. He's chasing down balls and, and not looking assured. He looks a little bit clueless. Um, there's certain parts of his game that when he was at Southampton, he wasn't showing. It's like there's a pressure that's fallen on him and he's not coping with it. And he's been interviewed about it. And over in France, when he was playing in France, he had a bad time as well. And he's talked about relating that to his time at Liverpool. So goodness knows whether he's going to turn it full circle and really come round fighting potentially next season. Um, but in terms of the 2014-15 season, I don't think it's a season that he's going to look back on fondly. I'll grab your next one in a minute, but I'm going to chip in with a player who I did think was going to do well. Uh, so we don't always get it right. Of course we don't. Um, but it's been really disappointing. He's made 17 appearances for Newcastle, but you wouldn't know. He's been pretty much anonymous. I'm talking about Emmanuel Riviere. I think he arrived for about £6 million, but his crowning moment at Newcastle since he arrived in, in the summer was um, a brace in a Capital One Cup game against Palace in September. Since then, really limited match time. Um, just hasn't done much with himself. And this was really highlighted in the United game a few weeks ago um, when he touched the ball. So, you know, forward, he needs to be on the ball. He needs to be around that ball a lot. Touched the ball just 22 times in almost an hour before being substituted for Perez, who's had a great season. Um, Just one shot on goal. Um, He lost possession seven times in 59 minutes. So this is is typical of his stats, basically. Seven times in 59 minutes. when you play for a team like Newcastle, you need to keep the ball in order to, to create anything, particularly when you're playing someone like Manchester United and to be dispossessed so often, just an absolute crime. And especially in that forward role, it's about holding the mm. ball up, isn't it? And playing it off mm. your other strike partner. And he's not obviously shown that. Week on the ball and a weak signing for me. So I'm going to consign Emmanuel Riviere, the man with the uh, exotic nim. To La Poubelle, which is uh, bin in French, by the way, Lindsay, as I try to educate <laughs> Lindsay, on, Lindsay on French every, every single... And second one, a bit of an obvious one, this, but I can't do this topic without mentioning Yaya Sanogols. Uh, that's right. Arrived at Crystal Palace in January on loan from Arsenal. Played six times, one goal, um, on and off the pitch a lot. Never really makes a full 90-minute appearance um, and didn't play at all between mid-Feb and mid-March. So, yeah. Uh, not impressive for me either. I'm just going to race through the rest of mine because have you finished Hayley or have you got more? You have. Uh, I'm going to race through mine then. I'm just going to mention a couple of Sunderland players. I could have mentioned so many but seeming as Gus Poyet's now gone. Sorry. um, But I just don't think I'm just going to highlight two players who I don't think were ready for Premier League football. Liam Brigcutt and also um, Will Buckley. I don't think they were ready for Premier League and I think they've shown that. Uh, Also a quick mention, Kramerich, who Leicester City signed, he's not quite done the business. And I know that was a January buy, but Croatian forward had scored lots of goals, came here with a great record. He's not really doing it for Leicester. And another one to mention, I'm just going to put a big question mark out, out there. I know they're currently the League Cup winners and also top of the Premier League, looking like they're going to get a Premier League title this season. But Quadrado, 
Quadrado, all that business around him. Such high hopes for him. What about the beginning of the season (laughs) when we tipped certain players to do well and to (laughs) perform and and the ones that we thought were going to flop and and the one that I thought was going to flop started the season unbelievably. Graziana Pelle. And you you can all laugh at me. You can bring that podcast back out again. I thought, he's far too good looking to be able to play football. Instead, it's the Di Maria who's deemed not good looking enough and can't play football. And you have this this Pelle player who perhaps should be playing for Real Madrid in the form that he was in at the start of the season. (laughs) Oh, dear. I love it when we get things bang on. Uh, But at least we can take the mickey out of ourselves, girls. Okay, thank you very much indeed. A quick interlude, actually. We're going to be hearing from Sue Smith next week. The WSL season starts this week, WSL 2, and then um, after that, shortly after that, WSL 1. We sent one of our reporters down to BT Sport today, so hopefully we're going to have some audio from that. Uh, And we've got some WSL previews on our website. So pop over to the website, folks, uh, www.offsiderulepodcast.com, and you can see previews. Uh, of each of the WSL1 teams there. Can I point out you missed a W? I, people will know that. People always do it. They always go www dot, but it's not. It's www dot. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Um, you can also, by the way, catch us on our Twitter account, at Offside Rule Pod, if we're going to do a bit of housework here. You can listen to us on Audio Boom, iTunes, and uh, pop over to our Facebook page and give us a like, the Offside Rule. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and like our page on Facebook. Simply type in the Offside Rule We Get It. There's only one of us. Let's move on to our next topic now. Better late than never. Uh, Seb Larson's late return from halftime in Sunderland's loss to Aston Villa at the weekend prompted pundit Chris Sutton to remark that uh, he reminded him of a pub team player who's having a fag in the car park. He, he, he was thoroughly unimpressed by the lack of professionalism there. Uh, Sunderland insists that Larson was getting stitches. As I said earlier, Poyer didn't know, <laughs> look like knew what was going on. Neither did Sherwood. Was like, I thought Sherwood clearly thought that there were 11 players out on the pitch already for Sunderland. So to see Seb Larson uh, suddenly uh, pop up and stroll onto the pitch, he was, he was a bit mystified. You could almost see him counting the number of players on the pitch for the opposition. So I'd like to look at other instances, please, of players being late onto the pitch or even anything to do with lateness and football. Yes, delays, uh, says Lindsay, teasing the topic in there because she's (laughs) clearly bent the rules. Uh, Go on then, Hoops. Let me start by not letting you down with the only one that I could find that was a team returning late to the second half. That was Manchester City. Do you remember when they played Sporting Lisbon and were fined €30,000? Uh, do you remember that? So I thought I'd bring that one up because that was them being late after the break. That's just because so many foreign managers at that club, you see, they have to translate the half-time team talks. Yes. That's right, yeah? <laughs> yeah, probably. If we were a football team, do you think we'd have been fine for being late oh. by now? <laughs> Uh, Well, we're about an hour and a half late starting this podcast, so yes. (laughs) Never ever try to get three women on time. Who like to talk on time for anything? Oh, dearie me. Well, mine's actually not someone who delayed a game. It's somebody who had to leave a game and nobody knew why. He just ran off the pitch in the middle of a match... (laughs) Deep into the second half, it was actually Arsenal midfield at Thomas Rizicki. He was playing for the Czech Republic. He was the captain and uh, rushed off. Somebody had to go into the dressing room to find him whilst he was uh, sat on the toilet uh, with a terrible bout of diarrhoea and had to shout over the top, when it comes, you cannot 
seriously play. He goes, maybe it was from nervousness when he was questioned about it after the game. <laughs> Riziki is not going to thank you for bringing up this story and reminding everyone. They did beat Turkey 2-0, oh, but he'd just eaten some bad turkey and was really struggling. <laughs> <laughs> You've cut for us tonight. I hope we're OK. <laughs> There are a couple of players, aren't there? And these guys are well known. I think Colo Torre is one of them that have to be the last player on the pitch. And that's on a, on, on a superstitious level. And I think Balotelli is like that as well. He was famously late for a game. And I remember reading at the time, and you've reminded me with your um, bout of diarrhea story. There was an article about Balotelli being late out on the pitch. This is, this is uh, earlier this season. And uh, there were lots of comments saying, well, this is typical of Balotelli and his attitude to playing at Liverpool. This just sums him up. And someone comments, look, don't blame Balotelli. Maybe he was just having a tricky poo. <laughs> I just thought that was brilliant. A tricky poo. Yeah, sometimes they do take longer. Uh, oh, I'm going to move on. <laughs> Before Lindsay vomits on herself, uh, I'm going to move on. Um, and uh, well, actually, speaking of Sunderland, the, the performance against Aston Villa was so bad that when they went four goals down before half time, that actually a lot of the Sunderland fans left before half time, not being late back after half time. They never were never there after half time. Uh, apparently, some of the supporters tried to um, storm the dugout as well. But what about this, Hayley? Uh, your team, Scotland, were in a World Cup qualifier against Macedonia. A French referee blew the whistle to start the second half, had to blow it again because realised that the Macedonia goalkeeper was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> um, gaping net. Yeah, basically, gaping net, lack of goalkeeper, goalkeeper runs off and the game could be started again. Uh, who's got some more for me? I've got a couple of good ones. Um, let's start with some delays then, because I did purposely mm. shoehorn in the word delay. Uh, this will have delayed things. Um, this was uh, down in Brighton. I don't know whether you read this story at the time, but Brighton stewards, and um, they had to have a good eagle eye on them to do this and spot it. But one of the players, a footballer, lost his wedding ring mm. during a football match. So all of the stewards go on the pitch. Well, what happened was he didn't come on until around about 70 minutes into the game and he'd forgotten he got it on and he put it in his sock. So he put his wedding ring in his sock and then lost the wedding ring. But um, Brighton stewards went onto the pitch. It was a Wigan Athletic striker, actually, um, Oriol Riera, who, who lost his wedding ring. And he went up to the stewards and said, you know what, my wife is never going to forgive me if I don't return home with this wedding ring. They scoured the pitch and they found it. It made local press. The stewards are holding up the wedding ring. Um, delayed in terms of staff at the club getting home. It didn't delay proceedings on the pitch, but it certainly did afterwards. So that's number one. And then another one, oh, I, had to, I had to really rummage around to find this because I was trying to keep to the after half time yes. um, and keep to your, your words. I'm going to give you Paolo Futra. We've got to go back in time. West Ham were preparing to take on Arsenal at Highbury. So we're talking a while ago. Mm. This is 1996. And the former Portugal international, he entered the away dressing room to find that his shirt with the number 16 on it was hanging there. And he didn't like the number 16. He claimed that his contract said that he had to be given the number 10 shirt. So you know what he did? He simply left the stadium, <laughs> simply went home. And apparently on his way, and he did feel very guilty about doing this. He, those are his actions. But apparently he said to John Moncur, um, who had the number 10 shirt, I'm really, really sorry, John. You can come to my villa in the Algarve, stay as long as you want and play golf. <laughs> I wouldn't mind an apology like that. 
That's a great story. Hayley? Oh, mine's kind of going against the rules again, but it is a good one because it's fairly recent with uh, Ronald Koeman, of course, uh, putting Sado Mane uh, on the bench in the game against Liverpool. And we all wondered, didn't we, why he'd been dropped in such a big game and he turned up late for the pre-match meal. And uh, Ronald Koeman said, you know, he was too late. He said he was... 30 minutes too late for the pre-match. We have rules and instructions with the players. Everyone can be late one day in the morning, but you can't be late at 1pm when you have to play against Liverpool. I can't and I don't accept that. So that is... that is a Exactly. Stick it to him. Maybe just didn't like what they were offering up in the, in the pre-match canteen. Who knows? <laughs> Decided to go to Nando's first. Uh, thank you very much, ladies. Now it's time for our Twitter topic of the week. We all know, of course, that uh, sport makes the back pages, but it often makes the front pages too. So where the worlds of general news and sporting news, often it's celebrity-based as well, isn't it, collide. Uh, Here's Sean Thorne. Twitter topic of the week. Twitter topic of the week this week, we've been asking you about footballers who have been making uh, the headlines for more ridiculous reasons other than a sporting achievement, all on the back of Wayne Rooney's ridiculous boxing match with Phil Bardsley. Uh, so loads of you getting involved with this one. Uh, Shawnee is uh, mentioned, great name Shawnee, uh, the QPR festive brawl with uh, Stephen Corker stealing the cheese. I don't think you could have written anything more ridiculous than that, uh, Shawnee. Cheers for that, mate. Uh, Charlotte Dunker is said about David De Gea uh, allegedly shoplifting a Krispy Kreme donut. In 2011, Alan's gone for the England dentist chair shenanigans, provoking Gaza's goal celebration in Euro 96. And a Jake Edwards has gone for every single haircut. I'm, I'm, I'm altering your words slightly here, Jake. Uh, every haircut Beckham has ever had uh, must have been on the front page. Yep. Sadly, I think you're right, Jake. And also, Milana also mentioned uh, the, the, the big fuss that was made of Adnan Yanazai taking a date to Nando's. Nothing wrong with that. Cheers to everyone who got in touch on Twitter Topic of the Week this week. I've been Sean Thorne and I will hand you back to the girls. Thank you very much to Sean Thorne and thanks for getting involved with our Twitter Topic of the Week. Don't forget to check our account every Sunday or Monday. We have a new topic up and you can get involved for a mention on the podcast. At Offside Rule Pod is where you want to follow. Our third topic, fisty cuffs. This is uh, Lindsay's topic, by the way. Trust Lindsay. Likes a bit of fisty cuffs. No, she doesn't. Uh, Rooney's knockout video with Phil Bardsley. She's going to knock me out in a minute. Uh, went viral last week. Uh, and it prompted Rooney's goal celebration at Old Trafford in United's 3-0 win against Spurs at the weekend. And I loved the photos, by the way, because the photographers just caught him at that 45-degree angle before he fell on the floor, and I thought it was a great shot. Um, so I'd like other examples, please, of footballers exchanging their own knockout blows. Or which footballers would you like to see pair up in the ring and why? Lindsay, I'm going to start with you. Again? Hayley McQueen's getting off lightly coming back off holiday. Hayley, I need to know, have you gone more with the boxing pairs um, partnering up different footballers or examples of actual fisticuffs? Actual fisticuffs. <gasps> that works out perfectly because I've gone with boxing pairs. Brilliant. Um, I want to see Martin Skirtle and Diego Costa do 10 oh. rounds in a ring because my money, by the way, would be on Skirtle. Yeah. He's as hard as nails, isn't he? Did you see he, he scores a headed winner even though he's had his head stapled yeah. Yeah. Um, after that Giroud incident against Arsenal? But I, I really think that Diego Costa, as much as he puts it about on the pitch, I think he might be a little bit of a, a wuss in areas. <laughs> Dare I say it? 
Skirtle would have him. Please someone book Lindsay for the press conference and give her a player interview with Diego Costa after that. That one's just recently happened. I think I've missed out on that. Um, another one, at the other end of the spectrum, I wanted to go for some of the tiniest little maestros on the pitch that I could think of. Then I thought, you know what, I'll go to the scale of thinking international duties and players that I have the feeling don't maybe get on that well. Mm. So I'm going to go Lionel Messi and Tevez. I think that the two of them might do a bit of fisticuffs at some point. I would love Ronaldo and Messi. Ronaldo and Bale, if rumours are to be believed. How about that? Ronaldo and Bale, they're rumoured not to be getting on. Cristiano Ronaldo throwing a strop if he plays well. And he can just wear his Calvin Line pants and Bale can just be in his headband and they'll just go at it. (laughs) Can you imagine that one, though? Ronaldo's like, do not touch my face. Bale's like, you're not allowed to touch my hair. Don't, please don't touch my face. Don't touch my hair. Like, it, like in fact, it would be like Olivier Giroud having a fight with Cristiano Ronaldo. But like, you, like you can touch anything below the neck. <laughs> well, funnily enough, I've got Olivier Giroud in my next bout. Olivier Giroud and Ashley Young, because Ashley Young would be diving to the floor all the time, and Olivier Giroud would be too busy checking his hair, wouldn't he? There'd be no, there'd be no punches. There'd be nothing landed in that fight. Well, what about the man mountain that is Adibayo Akin Fenwa? <gasps> Can you put him against Gomis from Swansea, uh, Bafatimbi Gomis? Because I think he's a man mountain. He's the only man that could take him on. Oh, well, he was going to take on all of his teammates. <laughs> he was going to take on all of his teammates. And he actually said, I will punch anybody who tries to take the shirt of Steven Gerrard when we swap shirts at the end of the game. This was in the FA Cup, Wimbledon against uh, Liverpool uh, in the third round tie at King's Meadow. And uh, he said, you know, whether we win, lose or draw in this particular game, he goes, I am having Gerrard's shirt and I will punch anyone to the ground who tries to take it from me. Nobody's going to go near that threat, are they? How about we get managers from the same Ooh. country to have a bit of fisticuffs? So I'm thinking Kuman versus Avocar. Maybe Martin Yole pops up in there as well, just to be referee or, or to kind of maybe, maybe sub himself into the fight. Who else could we have going up against each other? Well, I think you... And I know that it's all Latin America, isn't it? But maybe um, Argentine, you could Pochettino. go for Pochettino. Yeah. Um, and then Poyet, yeah, Uruguayan. What about Steve Bruce recently? As well with uh, Poirier, wasn't it? I'd fancy Steve Bruce every, every day with that one. In fact, I fancy Steve Bruce, whoever we put him up against. How about Steve Bruce and Mick McCarthy? Because they've both already oh, got dented noses. Yes. In fact, that would be a proper matchup, wouldn't it? <laughs> Steve Bruce and Mick McCarthy. Oh. There's, there's a great thought for Mick, you. Mick couldn't do any damage. He's too nice. Who would we put Mourinho up against? Guardiola, again, in pants. Yeah. <laughs> I'd actually like to see Mourinho fight Pellegrini as well. I mean, I know that they're fighting anyway for no, that I first... Think, I think you've got to age do it, so like Pellegrini mm. and Wenger. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you, you've got to have... Because when you have boxing bouts, usually it's like a weight bracket, isn't it? You've got to have an age bracket they, as well. They can keep their clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> Just for old times' sake, I'd love to see a little and large combo like Peter Crouch and Jermaine Defoe, just for the oh. sheer hilarity, because Peter Crouch is, of course, twice the height of Jermaine Defoe, so I'd like to see that happen. Well, in that case, Jermaine Defoe wins every time, doesn't he? One straight punch, and he's got him in the uh, nether region. <laughs> Hayley, give us some real-life examples, then. 
Well, I remember this particular game because um, my dad, who used to play football, was actually commentating at the time. And I remember being in a hotel room thinking, oh, I'll catch the highlights of, of this particular game. Hopefully it was a good one. Dad was working on it. And it was the game which actually ended up in court because of the fight between Lee Bowyer and Kieran Dyer. Oh, Teammates at the time, yeah. back in, I think it was 2006. I'm not entirely sure. But it was a long time ago in front of over 52,000 fans yeah who were witnessed in front of the television cameras as well. Lee Bowyer um, fined £600 at the time. Um, he tried to derail a trial. Obviously, it did go to trial. Two appeals to the higher court as well. The magistrates uh, gave him the chance to admit to a lesser charge and he'd uh, been accused under the Public Order Act of causing fear or provocation of violence. And that was sealed back to causing harassment, alarm or distress. So there you go. It was quite a game and just something I remember watching at the time thinking, oh my gosh, it's because I think he'd not passed him the ball. Dyer didn't pass him the ball and it all led to this kind of brawl and they were in argument. Um, I think it was, it was a game against Aston Villa. I'd noted that down, um, but it was all to do with them kind of not playing together as teammates and it ended up in this, this terrible, terrible ordeal. Well, one more from me. This involves a pitchfork. Yeah, this is high-level football. Uh, this is Staines Llamas or Lamas FC and Chessington and Hook FC. In Stanwell, Middlesex, the game was played and it was abandoned after 27 minutes because a player threatened rival team members with a pitchfork. Yes, that's right, breaking news. The confrontation took place following a punch-up... Yeah. Following a punch-up between two players, one from each side, both players were shown red cards. As the players went for an early bath, the other footballers on the pitch decided to get involved in a brawl as well. And out came the pitchfork, which had been mistakenly left rather too close to the action by the groundsman. Well, I'm just going to put the question out there, and this one really isn't for you two, it's more for our listeners, our loyal listeners oh, who, yeah. who listen every week and know, but you two... Kate versus Haley. You would deck me every time. <laughs> I don't stand a chance. She's taller than me. She's stronger than me. She's tougher than me. She's got Scots in her blood. There's, she's, she's, she's only going to flatten me. Yeah, I've, I've got strong arms as well. But you are a mum and mums can do anything, can't they? I want to know when that day comes that I can cook, I can make a bed like a hotel room and that everything's just tidy and wonderful and I can multitask. See, I think, being the perhaps judge here of the two of you, that I think Hayley would dominate the rounds, but then you might just have one lucky hit and that would be all over. <laughs> whenever I've fought anyone before, and I haven't fought anyone properly, but whenever I've had a play fight before, I always get... Oh, yeah. I actually, I actually let my emotions take over. So for me, it's not about physical strength. It's about going on an absolute wacky, like, bender, like, like, like really trying to surprise the opponent with, with a complete kind of shouty meltdown. Oh, the screaming in your ear tactic. I've done that before. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of, I, I kind of go into a fit of rage rather than punchy <laughs> rage. It's, it's kind of more sort of just anger rage. Oh. So, Hayley, you might win, but you'll be deaf. <laughs> I, I, I'll be, yeah, I'm so uncoordinated. I couldn't even get involved in a step class because I just got myself muddled up, jumping up and down onto the box. And even when I used to kind of go for like boxing training, I'd quite often miss the punch bag that was right in front of me. Well, <laughs> fall over myself. Before either of you start with me, I'll let you know that my main skill is being able to run <laughs> so I'm out of there 
On that note, Lindsay's about to head out the door. Hayley and I are about to get our sumo suits on. Uh, and you, dear people, can check us out every week, of course. Audio Boom, iTunes, uh, the Offside Rule website. Don't forget there's WSL previews and all the other great content that's there every day. www.lindsayhill.com. <laughs> w in there. Uh, OffsideRulePodcast.com. Check us out on Facebook, The Offside Rule, and on Twitter, at OffsideRulePod. Bye for now. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tyres. Sports Social Podcast Network.